Every once in a while, you hear something on the radio that grabs your attention, something different that speaks right to some of the thoughts that you've had in the back of your mind for a long time. Well, this is that show. It's called Growing Boulder. I'm Bill Schaefer along with Mark Middleton. And folks, none of us are getting any younger. So what about those things you always wanted to do? What happened to the kind of life you always wanted to live? This is the program that proves it is never too late. And no matter what your situation, there is always something you can do to start growing bolder. And we're going to start right now because on this very program, you're going to meet a three-time Emmy Award winner who's focused his lens on older athletes making an inspiring new documentary. We'll also talk with world-renowned neurosurgeon Dr. Robert Masson about why when it comes to recovery from injury, You have a more important role than you might think. Also, actress, dancer, choreographer Debbie Allen will tell us how her fame from the TV show fame is helping her change lives. And if one person can make a difference, wait till you hear what two cancer survivors are doing. But first, Gene Chatsky is here to talk about how to make your money last your entire lifetime. Real people with real stories. That's Growing Boulder. Very excited about this one. She is the financial editor for NBC's Today Show, an award-winning personal finance journalist, AARP's personal finance ambassador, and the host of the podcast, Her Money with Gene Chatsky on iTunes. She is also a best-selling author, and her newest book is Age Proof, Living Longer Without Running Out of Money or Breaking a Hip. Let's welcome Gene Chatsky. Hey, Gene. Nice to talk to you guys. Well, thank you so much for your time. We know how busy you are. Your your new book is fabulous. Age Proof uh, addresses what may be the number one fear of all baby boomers now, even greater than death itself, and that is running out of money before we run out of time. And based upon many of the statistics that we read about all the time, it it is a very real threat, isn't it? it? It's a very real threat. And if you look at survey after survey, it's also the number one fear. Um, there are studies out there that show that people are more afraid of running out of money in retirement than they are of dying, which is just unbelievable. But beyond that, I think people understand that many of them do not have an actual plan to rack up as much money as they may potentially need, especially when you look at longevity and realize retirement can last 25, 30, 35 years, sometimes more. You know, it's so clear that we need you, Gene, more than maybe at any other time in history. Because if managing our money is one of the most important skills for people at every age, we're really bad at it. Why, why is that? Because we're not taught how to do it. I mean, there's, look, I was an English major in college. I came around to be a good manager of my money only in my late 20s, early 30s. And there's not a lot of rocket science to this. You don't have to be an amazing stock picker or a hedge fund manager or an economist or have a business degree. It's really good habits often repeated. And what Dr. Roizen and I, my, my co-author on, on Age Proof is a doctor named Mike Roizen. He, he's um, at the Cleveland Clinic. He's totally brilliant. But what we figured out is that many of the same habits that help us manage our health through our lives can help us manage our money. And if you make an effort to adopt some of these things, you can really go a long way to ensuring your own future financial and health success. You you know, it really was a great idea to write the book that you did with uh, an esteemed physician because, you know, we all talk a lot about the health-wealth connection. Uh, And in a very real way, Gene, isn't it true that maybe the number one most important investment that any of us can make at any age right now is to take better care of our health because that will reduce the amount of money we eventually need? Oh, no, no question. I mean, when you look at where our health care dollars are going these days, more than 80% of them are going to take care of chronic diseases. And if you can reduce your chances of getting a chronic disease by eating correctly and 
getting up and doing some exercise and stopping smoking if you happen to smoke or avoiding other toxins and making an effort to reduce the amount of stress in your life, then, yeah, you can dramatically reduce the chances that you're going to have to spend a huge amount of your money on health care and improve the chances that you'll be able to take that money and put it in your 401k or your other retirement account. You know, something else, Jean, that I don't think people talk about enough is, you know, these days we've got such a high rate of divorce and there's widowhood and the fact that men historically handle family finances. There are a lot of women who find themselves alone in their 50s or 60s and overwhelmed with trying to figure out how to manage the money, their money. Is that partly what the podcast Her Money is about? Yeah, it is. Although, you know, we do find we get a lot of millennials um, listening as well as people in their 30s, 40s, and 50s. Um, her money is an ongoing conversation about life, about money, about careers, about how to handle our money. It is a judgment-free zone. And so we deal with everything from divorce to longevity to how to put together a retirement portfolio to how to talk to your kids about money so that um, you're raising the next generation to know a little bit more than we all seem to. Uh, and we do it with fabulous guests. We've had a, a lot of um, fun, and our listenership is growing. And so if your listeners haven't found it yet, it's it's on iTunes and, and everywhere that you find podcasts, and um, and I hope they'll join us. We're talking with Gene Chasky, uh, the, the well-known personal finance journalist. Uh, and, and Gene, of course, one of the solutions to uh, longevity and, and trying to meet the rising cost of health care is, of course, to simply work longer. What are mm-hmm. your thoughts about retiring at 65? Um, I think for a lot of people, it's just not going to be the smartest potential move. I mean, if you can keep yourself happy in and doing some sort of work longer, uh, you can put off tapping into any sort of pension if you're lucky enough to have one, put off pulling money out of your retirement accounts, put off taking Social Security until a little later, and you keep yourself happier and healthier. We know that continuing to work and stay involved, even if you're not doing what you did during the building years of your career, but maybe you've switched gears and you're doing something where you take a little more satisfaction. Maybe you don't earn as much, but you earn something. It really keeps us going and gives us a better quality of life. A lot of people are continuing to work in retirement these days, and they're enjoying it because they've, they're not lonely. They've got networks that keep them connected. They've got friends at work. It's, it's just it's a little more exciting to have something that you really like to do every day. Well, so what happens, Gene, if we say we get into our 50s or 60s and, and we're way behind? We, there's no way we can retire. Everybody says over the long haul, the stock market's the place to be. But what if you don't have the luxury of time to wait for it? Well, I, I still believe that the stock market is a great place to be for the long haul. And even people in their 50s have a long-term time horizon. We're, we're talking about investing money, you know, not just to retirement, but through retirement. So in your 50s, you could have another 40, 50 years to to grow your money, and that's a significant amount of time. So I wouldn't discount that. But if you're getting a late start, you've got to figure out a way to either save significantly more or live on significantly less. There are two sides to the equation, and I think sometimes people get so caught up in the saving side that they don't stop to think about the fact that, hey, if I downsized sooner rather than later, I could really put away a lot more money and I would need a lot more, a lot less money when I eventually do slow down. Or if I moved from a high-tax, uh, high-property tax place to a lower or no property or no tax state um, when it comes to income taxes, I could 
make a lot more of what I have, or if I move to a place where the standard, um, where the cost of living is a lot lower, I could do those things. So by the time we get into our 50s, if we haven't really made headway, we've got to think big changes rather than small changes. It's really not a matter of skipping the latte and thinking that's going to do the trick for you, because probably not. You know, Gene, uh, we, we hear a lot of talk these days about annuities, which raise mm-hmm. a lot of questions, immediate or deferred, fixed or variable. I'm, I'm not going to ask you those specific questions, but what are your thoughts in general uh, about annuities uh, uh, and maybe perhaps moving money from a retirement account into an annuity? Yeah, I like them to cover fixed costs. I think knowing that your fixed costs are taken care of through a combination of Social Security, um, and perhaps an annuity is a really um, comfortable way to be able to continue to live. Now, that said, I like simple annuities. Um, The idea of taking a chunk of money in retirement and converting it to an immediate fixed annuity is is the way that I would look at it, Um, plus perhaps taking another small chunk and converting it to what we sometimes call longevity insurance, a deferred annuity that could provide you with some significant money in your 80s because that money has such a long time to grow. And your 80s is when those health care expenditures are likely to really ratchet up. Hey, Gene, we're so glad to have you here. Before we let you go, can I ask you for a, well, to get your takeaway about life in general, I mean, financial or otherwise, what, what do you, what's your personal take on, on what's important? Um, people are important. I'm, I'm sitting on my couch in my house, and there's, there's a sign over my head that says the most important things in life aren't things. I, I think, you know, we, we all, these days especially, are looking for, a little more purpose and satisfaction from life. And we find that through our relationships with other people. We find it through doing work that we feel is meaningful and important. Um, we find it, we, we don't, it's, it doesn't come from, from things. It comes from, um, it comes from relationships. An interesting piece uh, of advice uh, from one of the world's top uh, personal finance experts, invest in people, invest in in experiences. She is Jean Chasky, one of the world's most renowned finance journalists, a go-to resource for financial and life planning advice in an industry that is filled with confusion. Check out her podcast, folks. It's Her Money on iTunes or anywhere you can find iTunes. Her book is Age Proof. And, of course, you can learn more about both of those and take advantage of all the tools and resources that she provides at genechatsky.com. Thanks, Gene. Up next, they both had stage four lung cancer. They were both told they probably wouldn't live, but then they made a pledge that they hoped would save other lives. Wait till you hear how it turned out. This is Growing Boulder. Support for Growing Boulder provided by... Located in West Orange County, Orlando Health's Health Central Hospital is a full-service hospital with an accredited chest pain center and heart failure program, as well as top-rated neurospine and orthopedic programs. Learn more at orlandohealth.com. And by... The Legacy Life Project from Macbeth Studio, preserving family history, stories, and memories for generations to come by creating personal video biographies of your loved ones. Everyone has a story worth preserving. LegacyLifeProject.com This is Growing Boulder with Mark and Bill. We talk a lot on this program about how, contrary to popular belief, one person can make a difference in this world. One person can actually change the world. We've seen it many times. And it got us thinking that if one person can accomplish great things alone, what about two people? What could they do together, especially if they both happen to be relentless in their desire to fight back against cancer? Well, what they've created is called the Circle of Hope for Cancer Research, and here's why they're so determined to give. It's a determination to live, to survive this. It is. It is. I was not ready to die. I'm still not ready. Oh, no. I'm 
Rosa Holloway. Joan Tashbar and Rosa Holloway became the best of friends because of the worst of times. We both uh, accomplished getting, being a survivor in lung cancer, which not too many do. Joan was given two years to live. Rosa had less than a one in ten chance to survive, but they both did, and they wanted to do something about it. So then it just evolved as we were having conversations. How do we give back? And then we decided, well, let's try to raise some funds for cancer research. And that's how it all started. They created Circle of Hope. They hold fundraisers and give every penny they raise as grants to those searching for better ways to beat cancer. Today, they're at the University of Central Florida College of Medicine to see the research being done at the Burnett School of Biomedical Sciences. I'm so excited about the idea of using a virus to target cancer cells. Candace Fox is a Ph.D. student whose work could one day lead to treatments where chemotherapy attacks just the cancer, leaving healthy cells untouched. Joan and Rosa were so touched that they awarded her an $8,000 grant from Circle of Hope. Lots of people don't realize that. You don't have to give 100000 You don't have to give a million dollars. That money is really needed. Oh, it's so critical because the system that we have now to obtain grants for research, it's quite tricky. You have to have these pilot studies that will basically demonstrate that feasibility of this therapy in our case, that this will definitely work to ensure the the funding from the bigger grants. So this is so critical as a, a basically a startup grant. As the director of the School of Biomedical Sciences, Griffith Parks says a grant like this does even more. What Circle of Hope has done is they provided funding for a member of my, my team that wants to do cancer research for the rest of her life. And so we've, we've sent a positive message to her. We're supporting the next generation of scientists. So it's, it's very important. I am, I'm so excited and so grateful for these wonderful opportunities with working with Dr. Parks at the Burnett School of Biomedical Sciences and, of course, again, this wonderful opportunity from the Circle of Hope. So what does it mean to you to inspire someone like Candace to perhaps maybe find a breakthrough? These are special people yeah. that have a commitment like that. Our idea is that we can utilize this as a combination therapy with the virus and chemotherapy. Exactly, mm-hmm. yes. And hopefully clear out the majority of the tumor. We're counting on you. <laughs> yes, we are counting. The American Cancer Society says this year, one out of every four deaths will be cancer-related, something Rosa Holloway says is difficult to comprehend. You can have a brother, a sister, a parent have cancer, yeah, you, 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 you help them and you feel sorry, but you never know what they, what they really go through, what goes on in their, in their mind until you have it yourself. That's why we do this, is to give others hope so that they can be positive and they can know that there's people out there that are working to try to alleviate and to try to make it better. Joan and Rosa share the belief and determination that no matter who you are, you can make a difference. I guess it's a mindset that you have to take a risk. You have to take a chance. Somebody has to. Two women, bonded together by lung cancer, working to help increase the chances of survival for the rest. That's the circle of hope. I think for us, it's knowing that we're helping people and we're saving lives. Find out more at circleofhopecancerresearch.com. Up next, she became a household name as a star of the TV show Fame. Find out how the great Debbie Allen is using that fame to make a difference. This is Growing Boulder. Support for Growing Boulder provided by the Center for Health and Well-Being, coming soon in Winter Park. Wellness, fitness, and medicine together in one convenient location, offering programs and services to promote healthy living and positive aging. More at yourhealthandwellbeing.org. 
Sign up for the Growing Boulder Insider Newsletter, delivered to your inbox every week. Be the first to see our latest interviews, stories, and tips for making each day count. Sign up today at growingbolder.com. She is a legendary actress and director who became an instant icon back in 1982 with the TV show Fame, which she starred in and choreographed. And since then, she has broken race and gender barriers as a choreographer, director, producer, and actress. You know, Mark, on television alone, she's appeared in everything from Fame to The Love Boat, Grey's Anatomy. She's directed or produced everything from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air to Family Ties, Jane the Virgin, Grey's Anatomy, Scandal, Empire. A Different World, Everybody Hates Chris Mark, I Could Go On For Days. (laughs) Her many awards include three Emmys, a Golden Globe, five NAACP Image Awards, and a Stair Award for Best Dancer and the prestigious Olivier Theatre Award. She holds four honorary doctorate degrees. She was appointed by President Bush as a U.S. cultural ambassador. She's been an artist in residence at the Kennedy Center for over 15 years. She holds the distinction of choreographing the Academy Awards 10 times. And this is amazing stuff. I mean, among the thousands that she's directed and choreographed are people like, this is mind-blowing, Lena Horne, Sammy Davis Jr., Michael Jackson, Whitney Houston, Janet Jackson, Will Smith, people like James Earl Jones, Mariah Carey, Queen Latifah, and more. But truth be told, her greatest pleasure might come from mentoring young people and exposing them to dance and the theater arts, which she does through her nonprofit dance school for youth, the Debbie Allen Dance Academy. Welcome. Welcome, Debbie Allen. Hey, Debbie, how are you? This was an incredible introduction. I don't know how to respond to such an incredible laundry list of work. I don't stop and think about it so often, you know. You know, I think it may be the longest introduction we've ever done. And and if we truly, (laughs) if we mentioned all of your awards and recognitions, I don't think we'd have time left for the interview because your contribution to the arts is immense. But is it fair to say, Debbie, that your school, your work with young people is what you consider to be your greatest legacy? I think so. I really feel every morning that I wake up that I have a real purpose in life. I have a wonderful time executive producing Grey's Anatomy and doing all the things that I've done, but it's working with young people. It's giving them this opportunity to transform in the arts that is that just really fulfills my purpose in life. And uh, I work very hard at it. I'm always out there with the tin cup raising money. Um, and at a time right now where we're really so challenged to raise funds for them, to give opportunity for more people to have uh, arts education in their lives. There's nothing like the arts that will bring confidence and creativity. And America's leadership is born on innovation. And if we don't have that creative spirit embedded in our young people, we will not maintain that leadership. I am totally convinced. You know, this is one of the things, Debbie, that we were most interested in asking you about because people say, well, you know, she's teaching dance. You can live without dance. But talk about the qualities that dance brings to these young lives. What are you really teaching? Because it's a whole lot more than just dance steps. Well, it's character education. And let me just stop before I go even further and say that if you go and you read Steve Jobs' biography, you'll see that he ducked out of his math class, and went into a dance class. I'm just saying, dance gives you a sense of uh, discipline that you will not get anywhere else. It makes you understand and able to accept criticism while still moving forward. It gives you a sense of yourself in the world, and it just is a connection to your emotional human spine that we all need as human beings, to know what is it in the world that we care about? What is it that we want to work hard about? There's nothing like the arts. It's da- if it's dance, if it's music, if it's art, if it's writing, all of those uh, arts and disciplines would really help fulfill the legacy of America, is what I say. 
You know, you you are obviously multi-talented with many interests, Debbie, but I've read where you do say that that it is dance that has fueled your success in other areas, that it's dance that gave you what you just talked about, the discipline, the desire, and all of that. Uh, Do you really feel that way? I really do, because honestly, as one of the most prominent directors here in Los Angeles and in this industry, my my world and my life is informed by movement and 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 dance the dance that i did when i when i came into this world uh with fame for example choreographing that series for many years it was the dance that helped inform my use of the camera that cinematic style that i have developed by virtue of movement and also the sense of preparedness you know you don't go into dance you know, there are times where they say improvise, but we rehearse, we rehearse, we rehearse, we practice, we practice, we study, study, study. So that preparedness is how I approach my work as a director. I go in on the script, I go in on the staging, I go in on whatever it's about. I love doing the research, and all of that is a is a character education of dance, all of it. You continue yes. to push the bar. Age seems to mean nothing to you. How do you deal with <laughs> How do you deal with with getting older? And, and what can we learn from you on, in, in, as far as that goes? Well, that's a very interesting question because I get so many comments on my energy and my apparent youthful uh, approach. I think uh, I've always been very conscientious about my health and what I put in my body, and exercising, and being around people that are positive. I think positive energy is part of your mental and physical health. And when you're around uh, people that are not that way, you can really come up sick and don't even understand why you're not well. But there's so many things that I'm doing so much better now because I have more experience and knowledge. And um, I think it's a wonderful thing. And and on Grey's Anatomy, there is an appreciation for older women who are also power, you know, uh, leaders, but also still sexy after 60. I'm wearing it well. That's all I can tell you. I'm wearing it well. Amen. We agree with that. We're speaking with uh, the legendary actress, director, choreographer, producer, Debbie Allen. And, and Debbie, you know, Bill mentioned the aging thing, and you work in an industry that is renowned for being ageist. Uh, It would be easy for you to have gotten and become bitter many, many years ago because when you first started your directing career, as you noted, uh, with uh, an early 80s episode of Fame, there were very few women on the set back then, let alone any black female directors. Uh, how have you, you know, knocked down these barriers and uh, been able to still uh, maintain your positivity? I uh, am very confident in what I do. I am always still reaching to learn more. And um, I think, you know, the balance of of what is offered and what you're going after, you know, there's something to the balance of that, you know, when you work really hard at it. There was a long time when I was the only woman in the room for a long time. There was a, there was a time where I was the only black person in the room for a long time. But these things have changed, and look at where we are now. As a executive producing director of a Grey's Anatomy, I hire the directors. And I've hired more women to to direct network television than any other show on TV. So I feel really good about that. You know, most people, Debbie, would take any three items off of your list of accomplishments and say, that's fantastic, and now I'm going away because I've done enough. You keep adding more and more things. Why do you keep wanting to do more instead of saying, wow, now I'm going to go to some island somewhere and just uh, relax and leisure the rest of my life? Because there's more to do, that's why. I don't think I have the luxury of just resting on my laurels and saying, okay, I've accomplished this, I've accomplished that. There's so much more to do, and there are more people to bring along with me, and I'm doing it. I'm facing it head on. That's it. 
Of course, you've played uh, Dr. Catherine Avery on Grey's Anatomy since 2011, and your work uh, in that role has led to the opportunity to direct the series and now serve as executive producer. Working with Shonda Rhimes has been good for you, just as it's been good for her. That's a great collaboration, isn't it? It's amazing. I love being in Shondaland so much. That roller coaster on fire that she has as her, her logo is so perfect because we're always moving fast. We go on that ride, and as soon as we finish an episode, we can't wait to get back on and do it again. And uh, Shonda Rhimes is a great storyteller. She's also an incredible human being who reaches across aisles and barriers and boundaries to give more opportunity. And, and the word diversity is just second nature. We don't even have to say that word. That's a given in the world that she lives in. So. I'm really happy to be working with her and learning from her. And she, she's uh, got a real eye for great talent, and she puts a lot of great people together to, you know, follow through with what she has created. It's amazing. And she's almost as cool as Debbie Allen. You know, one of the reasons everybody loves Debbie Allen is we're all out there struggling to make a difference. We're all struggling to connect with our passions and make this trip of life worthwhile. So what is the Debbie Allen big picture takeaway? What's the moral to your story? You know, I don't know. I haven't analyzed myself like that. I, I don't know what the moral is. But I would say to young people or other people who are aspiring to make things happen is, number one, you must believe in yourself and you must uh, continue to expand your ability and your talent and technique and keep working on it because just when you think you're there, you're not. And there's always something else you can learn. So I'm still a student in the world of people and what makes a difference. What a fascinating conversation with a legend from the world of dance, theater, television, and film, and a career that spans three decades. And folks, you hear it is still going strong. She continues to move forward while giving back, providing an inspirational example for all of us at any age. And you can learn a lot more about her at DebbieAllenDanceAcademy.com Our thanks to the legend Debbie Allen. Up next, why more and more the outcome of your medical procedures depends on you. It's growing bolder medical director and world-renowned neurosurgeon, Dr. Robert Masson. This is Growing Bolder. Support for Growing Bolder provided by... The Masson Spine Institute, where world-renowned, minimally invasive techniques lead to fast recovery. The Masson Spine Institute, excellence in spinal surgery. More information at MassonSI.com. And by... Winter Park's new Crosby Wellness Center at the Center for Health and Well-Being. More than just a gym, it features unique medically integrated programs, activities for all ages and skill levels, and free group exercise classes with memberships. More at CrosbyWellnessCenter.org. My guard stood hard when abstract threats to noble tunic length. He is an internationally recognized neurosurgeon specializing in spinal surgery and in sports spine medicine. He has performed thousands of microsurgical spine procedures using techniques that he invented that are now standard operating procedures all across the world. Yeah, his patients include amateur recreational and professional athletes, including uh, players in the NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, PGA and LPGA Tour members, the U.S. ski team, U.S. cycling, wakeboarding teams, and much, much more. What, he doesn't like tennis players? <laughs> they'll be coming to him soon. They'll be flocking in his way. He is a former college athlete who still participates in multiple sports and just this year made his big-time racing debut, driving in the IMSA Prototype Challenge presented by Mazda. And in addition to all of that, he is the medical director of Team Growing Boulder. Let's say hi to Dr. Robert Masson. How are you, Doc? 
I'm great, Bill. Thank you. And for the record, I love tennis, too. <laughs> so thank you. You know, I, I'm pretty sure that we cannot afford somebody like you. So what is it about the Growing Boulder mission that has enabled us to avail ourselves of, of your knowledge and your inspiration? You know, one of the things that's so important um, in uh, being a spine health provider, being a, a doctor, being a neurosurgeon, is setting the tone for the culture that uh, uh, our patients present themselves for. And one of the things that I really, really passionately believe in is that we have a role in walking the walk and setting the tone for um, how to change the culture of wellness and, and health as it relates to different kinds of problems. So having a messaging platform which is so inspired and so focused on stories of of achieving and, and success in, in living uh, functionally and, and vibrantly is, is so powerful. And I, I love being a part of you guys. So it's my, absolutely my pleasure. Well, we are blessed uh, to, to have you along. And you know, one thing that you are not, at least to our knowledge, is a financial planner. Uh, but, but this is so interesting because in truth you could be because longevity has now been identified as the biggest threat to our financial future because we're living longer and health care costs continue to climb. So now even financial planners are talking about this health-wealth connection and acknowledge that the number one investment that we can all make right now to manage our future health care costs is lifestyle modification. Do you agree with that, Doc? And if so, what can we do today, starting today, to reduce our future health care costs? Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. You know, I think we were less sophisticated a decade ago when we started talking about being lifestyle planners, just like financial planners do for people in their financial planning. And we used to have it as a separate category where you have your financial planning for your, your fiscal management and you had your physician team for your health management. You know, and some of the more, more uh, recent concerns about the overall expense problems in, in, uh, in health care in this country really have brought to a head that it's actually a lot more connected, just as you alluded to. And, and so there are so many aspects to it. And I, I, I personally think that emphasizing your, your, your personal health, optimizing your personal health is ultimately going to reduce your financial burden. And so there, there clearly is a role for a, a person's doctor team, medical team, to teach them how to optimize their health in a way that's going to minimize their prescription costs, minimize their need for uh, unexpected treatment, um, recognize problems before they become serious problems. Prevention and early diagnosis is so much more affordable than um, being caught off guard and, 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 and reacting to problems that you didn't know were coming. So I think subtle reality checks in your health environment are probably the best single early tool towards a sound financial health management strategy. And that's a message for all of us, no matter what kind of a situation we're in. You know, I think there are a lot of docs out there who sometimes tell you one thing, but then if you looked, you know, behind the scenes, they're living a much different kind of life. As you've gotten older, what, what have you learned in your life about the challenges of maintaining your fitness level or maybe even avoiding injury? I, I think um, I, like everybody, went through my 40s uh, neglecting that. And I really um, was too busy for my own good. I still had a lot of capacity um, that I grew up with. And uh, so I felt like I could perform at a high level at everything I was used to. And what ended up happening after uh, late 40s, I ended up starting to hurt myself because I really wasn't anywhere near prepared for the level of function that I put myself through. So in five-year span, I ended up with neck surgery, a clavicle fracture surgery, a, a knee surgery, a sinus broken nose surgery. And, uh, you know, and it was purely because I was not physically prepared for the level of, of sports and activities that I was putting myself through. And, and so ironically, in my 50s, I am better prepared and in better shape and, and, and less injured and more active than I was in my 40s. And it's all because of my investment in self and my investment in preparation. 
It's a great message for all of us. And as Growing Boulder fans out there know very, very well or should know by now, this is a guy who likes to challenge himself. And the latest incarnation of that desire is actually competing on the IMSA circuit across North America, driving in all the big races in the prototype challenge, competing against some of the top young drivers in the world, including your own son, Kyle. Other than that father-son experience, Doc, uh, what drives you to strap in and mix it up, uh, essentially, inside a rocket ship? You know, uh, I, I guess uh, we can go back to early childhood dreams. I was always drawn to uh, uh, racing as a kid, but it was well out of my means and, and opportunities. So I kind of lost it. And uh, if not for my son being completely passionate about it, I never would have revisited it. But when my son wanted to do it, and we were concerned about safety as a neurosurgeon, and, and I really wanted to chaperone him and not only test the sport, but test his commitment to a, a process that I thought was safe and, and overachieving. And, uh, you know, amazingly, I found out that this sport is incredibly safe when it's done the right way. And it's so meticulous and, and, and so uh, incredibly technical. Um, but what, what it really does from, from a health perspective on an aging ex-athlete is it gave me a, a bionic extension of myself so I, I can execute my personality and my competitiveness through the car and not necessarily through my knees and ankles and shoulders and elbows. Folks, what is it out there that you want to do? Do you hear the message here? It is never too late, but it is incumbent on each one of us to do what we can to increase our chances of being able to meet the rigors of the things we want to do in life. He is Dr. Robert Masson. He's the medical director for Team Growing Boulder, and he's a big-time race car hero. Thanks so much, Doc. Up next, we talk to older world-class athletes all the time, but what happens when a three-time Emmy Award winner takes a look? This is Growing Boulder. Support for Growing Boulder provided by the UCF College of Medicine, where physicians, scientists, and teachers are discovering innovative solutions for today's medical challenges and bringing them to you. Learn more about the college's physician practice at ucfhealth.com. Subscribe to Growing Boulder Magazine, now with more information, articles, and photos than ever before. This quarterly publication is unlike any other, filled with the kind of inspiration you need to live your life to the fullest. More information at growingbolder.com slash subscribe. This is Growing Boulder, and I'm Mark Middleton, and as you folks know, we're in the business of rebranding aging, and we do that by sharing the stories of ordinary people that are living extraordinary lives, which is why we're excited to talk about the documentary film Impossible Dreamers. It follows a group of stereotype-smashing, age-defying athletes, including some you probably know and others you've likely not heard of, at least until now, because we have the director of the film, three-time Emmy Award winner, Eric Goldfarb. Hey, Eric, good morning. Hey, how are you? I'm doing great. First of all, congratulations on the film. I know you've worked on some really great television programs, The Amazing Race, Naked and Afraid, other shows that typically focus on a younger demographic. So what led you to this subject matter? Actually, it's that exact reason. I've been uh, making uh, television shows as an editor and a producer for almost 20 years, and it's true that the medium has always tried to service younger audiences. And so when I, when I was looking to make my own project, I thought that it would, be, it would be the right thing to do. I thought it would be an opportunity to make an inspirational, positive film, and I thought that senior athletes would be a great way to go, and I thought that it would help service this underserved market. Well, I, I can tell you're not only a great filmmaker, you're a great guy, and we're, we're thrilled when people in the media turn their attention and their focus on older Americans that are doing really cool stuff because it benefits all of us to smash these stereotypes. And we've actually profiled some of the people that you feature in your film, Tao Porshawn Lynch and Daniela uh, Barnia, Gary Player, and some others. All are extremely inspiring in their own right. Was there anybody that you featured, Eric, that inspired you perhaps the most? 
Well, uh, to spend an afternoon with you, I mean, they all inspired me. That, that's without doubt. I mean, I've even changed my life as a result of this film and meeting these athletes. Um, uh, but to answer your question in particular, I, 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 I was really inspired by Doc Cheek, uh, who's a, a runner in my film that I think he, that you're going to be speaking with shortly. Um, he is just outstanding. He's got to be 87 years old now, and he runs so fast. Um, I, he set world records, and um, it's just as a person, all of the athletes share an overwhelmingly positive attitude, which I think is actually the, the uh, secret ingredient that they have towards living the way that they do. And also, Gary Player uh, was just unbelievable. Um, he uh, he, he uh, was in the gym with my wife, and when we first met him, we had just met him for 10 minutes, and my wife, who weighs probably 110 pounds, he started curling her in front of myself and the crew, <laughs> and uh, it was just unbelievable. Yeah, he's a machine. He's a wild man and fun to, to watch. You know, we have happily discovered, Eric, that stories of cool, older people living big, bold lives ha- have an especially strong appeal to younger people who are excited, you know, to see the possibilities of life after 70 or even 90. Now, have you found the same thing with your film? Are you getting a great response from younger people as well? Yeah, it was one of the really cool uh, after effects I, that I was not expecting because I was really making the film, like I said, to try to service uh, an aging population who's, who I feel are underrepresented. And but we wanted we we had screenings for over a year before we finally went into distribution, and we tried screening for people of all ages. And it was true that when we screened for younger people, we were screening for high schoolers, people in college as well. And the, the reactions were pretty universal because I think that it just touches upon a, uni, a universal theme. Everybody wants to be healthy and everybody wants to be inspired. And the goal of the film was to try to do these things, uh, uh, to uh, tell people not only to, to live a healthy lifestyle, but to have a belief system that as you get older, it does not have to be all over. And it doesn't mean that you have to be a superhero like the athletes in this film. It just means that, you know, it, it starts from a belief system and that you just have to believe in yourself and you have to try and wake up every Every day and do what you can and feel positive. And if nothing else, I think the biggest message that the film delivers, it's, it's, it's one of just how to see the world, how to see yourself. And, you know, as long as you're a positive and happy person and you wake up with a smile, it tends to make the rest of the day a lot easier. And, um, and all of these athletes are, they, they definitely see, uh, they, they view life and the, uh, the you know, it, it's definitely the glass is half full with these guys. We're speaking with documentary filmmaker Eric Goldfarb, whose latest film is called Impossible Dreamers, about a a group of aging athletes who are really living big, bold lives. And, and, you know, Eric, you've done something that is very, very smart. You made a film that gets people motivated to get moving, and then you followed it up with a DVD actually offering workout tips from those you profile. Did you know you were going to do that going in and did you shoot these tips when you shot the features or did you go back and get those later? No, it, it actually, uh, thank you for the question. It's something that we actually decided to do later, Mark. Uh, you know, we, after we showed the film, people would oftentimes ask, what are the athletes doing now? Because the film, it was released uh, a year ago when we had our initial screenings. Our initial screenings were even two years ago. And uh, we thought that, you know, for people who uh, uh, saw the film and if they liked the film, they might have the same question. And we also thought that on a practical level, uh, you know, uh, a little follow through is, you know, uh, not just watching what these athletes are doing in their own lives, but advice that they give for people so that they can, you know, um, uh, show you how to exercise, you know, in the way that they do in their respective sports. And so we put together a 20 minute uh, boot camp is what we call it. And so with the DVD, is uh, the, the, the 20 minutes of additional content comes with it, and it shows you how to exercise, and it shows you these athletes, and they're, they're a little bit older, uh, but they're just, as, <laughs> they're, 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 they're just as amazing as they were in the film, and it's really fun. You know, it shows, I think we've got about five athletes that are in the film, and, um, and, and they take you through their routines, and uh, it's, I actually think it's as good as the movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right, before we get, a, get kind of a final takeaway from you, since you've mentioned that, let's give folks information. First of all, uh, you've got two things on your to-do list now, folks. You want to watch the film, Impossible Dreamers. Uh, and, Eric, they can see that on Netflix, I know for sure. Are there other places they can watch it? Yeah, good. well, it, it's all over the, uh, the, uh, the, the net right now. Netflix picked it up in March of this year, and it'll have an 18-month month run on Netflix. And then also... 
uh, you know, a good place to watch it is uh, directly from our website. You know, we have uh, our website is impossibledreamers.org, and it gives a lot of information about the film. Plus, you can buy the DVD there, and um, and it's also available on iTunes and uh, and Amazon, really all over. Um, and uh, so, so yeah, pretty much. You know, one of the things that I've all inspired by the the kind of people that you interviewed is is their ability to undertake risk as they get older. Because so many people withdraw, they're afraid to do anything for fear that they're going to get hurt. And a lot of these people kind of develop this "if not now" attitude. Uh, what, what's the takeaway for you, Eric? I know you've touched on this, but but you personally, what did you get out of this film other than making a great piece of art? Uh, you know, what will you remember the most about your time producing this? Well, well. Uh in the short term, I, and this is something that I wasn't expecting, but I, I work, you know, primarily as an editor for television, you know, working on these, these shows that you touched upon at the beginning of the interview. And that's a very sedentary lifestyle where, you know, like so many people, I'm sitting in a computer chair all day, I'm looking at the screen, I'm trying to tell these stories, but it isn't a healthy way to live necessarily. So, you know, in making this project, I, I decided to start running every single day. So during work at 3 o'clock every single day, and I've even got a group of people that are doing it with me now, uh, you know, we just go, we go for about a mile run, and we've changed our eating as well. You know, right now, and my wife especially, she started this, but as a result of the people who were in the uh, movie, eating of such a healthy lifestyle. Uh, you know, ours is now vegetarian, if not almost all vegan-based lifestyle, plant-based, and it just makes us feel lighter. It makes us feel stronger, and it's, it's one of the big changes that we've made. So if not for this movie, I probably, I mean, uh, I, I guess in my own way, I'm doing everything I can just to try to stay healthy and fit, and these people did inspire me to do that. The power uh, of a great example facilitated by a great film. Uh, the film is called Impossible Dreamers. He is Eric Goldfarb. And folks, you can find out more about Eric and the film at impossibledreamers.org. You know, one thing Mark and I get asked a lot is, how do I start growing bolder? Well, the truth is the answer is going to be different pretty much for every one of us. It depends upon your interest and your passions, your experience and, and your circumstances. You are growing bolder if you're trying to make the most out of every day. If you try not to just go through the motions, but instead live a life of intent. Yeah, if you're someone who does want to grow to expand your horizons, to try to make a difference, well, you're already on the right track. But But it does start by just taking the time to think about it, to think about you, your life, your future. So don't put it off. Make it a priority. Don't be a spectator anymore, and you will be growing bolder. You'll find some information, inspiring interviews, and a whole bunch of videos at growingbolder.com. See what a difference it makes to have hope, inspiration, and possibility in your life, because that's Growing Bolder. Growing Boulder is a production of Boulder Broadcasting, all rights reserved. This program was recorded live at the studios of WMFE Orlando. It is written and produced by Jill Middleton, Jackie Carlin, Mark Middleton, and Bill Schaefer. Executive producer is Katie Widrick. Technical director is Jason Morrow. Chief audio engineer is Mac Dula. And our most important team member is you. Remember, when it comes to Growing Boulder, it's not about age. It's about attitude. Said I.